This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Er kommt an mit seinem Rennrad und er weiß, er ist heiß, heiß wie frisch frittiert und er ist schick frisiert. Sagt Hallo zu seiner Schnalle, weiß sowieso, er kriegt sie alle mit seinem jungen Charme. Boah, mir wird ganz warm. Hätte ich so einen Mann mit so einem Rennrad. Good morning. Welcome to this week's edition of the Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio Show for Monday, the 29th of March 2021. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of, of the land from which we transmit people powered radio. Thank you to Democracy Now! for the previous hour of Current Affairs. My name's Chris, Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio. We're a weekly half-hour program about cycling and related transport issues coming to you from the studios of 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne, Australia. On today's show, I've got a good free-ranging interview with Tom Flood from Canada about, well, it's, uh, as I said, free-ranging, about uh, attitudes around if you wish to ride for transport, if you want to ride with your kids, if you want to get your kids to school, and a whole bunch of very interesting issues around that. And try to unpack it and start conversations. Ah, a little bit of news and events. Now, this one kind of snuck out quietly on, I think, Saturday afternoon on the platform, on the social media platform, which is Twitter. And uh, you may realise that Victoria is one of the, if not the only holdout state when it comes to minimum passing distances. And there was, you know, like uh, Victoria there, go back to October 2020 and um, Ben Carroll, Minister for this, you know, uh, transport and um, whatever, mentioned that we would have passing legislation in Victoria. Now, Amy Gillett Foundation, uh, you know, put out a, a reminder about, you know, give cyclists one metre space when passing in speed zones up to 60 kilometres per hour and 1.5 when passing in speed zones above 60. If you can't pass with this amount of space, wait until it's safe to do so. There's a few questions about when is this legislation actually going to be enacted? And TAC, from their account, chimed in and said, Hi, we expect the new law to be in place by the end of April. Well, I don't know if that um, is a preempt on of an embargo media release, but it is good to hear and kind of got me scurrying to update what's um, happening in the Victorian Parliament and either we've got a first or a second reading. I think it might be a second reading, but uh, let's await some official news on that. Uh, if you have some spare time and you want to help out wheel women, we've had Tina on the show several times on the show over the years, they are looking for people to help out. And if this thing decides to update, I can read you the information. But seeing I'm probably sitting in a bit of a Faraday cage here in the studio, I may have to wait. Will you update for me, please? Oh, it's going to play. Yay. Okay. Wheel women. Do you think you might be Wheel Women Ride Leader material? Do you love helping out 
um, other women write? Do you uh, love sharing your knowledge about writing? Do you love meeting new women writers? Maybe this is the perfect gig for you. Okay, it's a voluntary role and you don't need to be an A-grade writer either. You just need to have some serious passion, enthusiasm and a willingness to help other women. It's all about women helping women at Will Women, so let's get in touch. And there's a link there about becoming a ride leader. So if you want to help out, I will put all the details into the podcast, but you can also go to um, or email them at info at wheelwomen, that's all one word, .com .au, or have a look at their website, which is wheelwomenaustralia, all one word, dot Com. bit of catch up in news. You might remember two years ago or two and a half years ago, we had a, a series of programs on the show to deal with trying to save a velodrome in Noble Park. Now, out of that, didn't save the velodrome, but it was two things that happened. It was a campaign to save it and also restart the uh, Noble Park Dandelong Cycling Club. Now, this weekend, or the weekend just gone, Mighty Little Club won their first Victorian uh, track championship. And if I've got that correct, I'll just read out what uh, David Ryan and uh, Callum, duo state champions for the Noble Park Dandelong Cycling Club, Team Sprint and Team Pursuit. And huge congratulations to our riders, Ryan, David and Callum, who competed in the Victorian Club Team Championships held Saturday at Disc Velodrome up in uh, Thornbury. Now, you could think, oh, why are you talking about, you know, elite sport on a, th a program that's predominantly about advocacy? Well, okay, if I've said a few times that, uh, as a disclaimer, I'm actually involved with the club and it's one of the most strange and equally interesting things I've ever been involved with because I'm my only real interest in competitive sport is for probably the last over 20 years of sitting on the couch pentaton and watching Tour de France and some of the spring classics and it's fantastic when in a relatively short period of time our little club is doing great things and will continue to do great things and it's just about the power of people pulling together and believing in a goal and uh, when I've looked into the history of this club and pre-history of this club there's a lot of stuff there if you're interested in the history of writing for transport and advocacy in Victoria wow there's some amazing stuff there especially around the name of Maurice Kirby anyway after the break I'm going to be doing an interview with Tom Flood the media in this country, we as Indigenous people know, have censored our right of telling the truth and the truth is what this country is most fearful of, in particular Indigenous truths. Until history is told by the vanquished lens, which is our people telling our story our way, and have the right to be able to incorporate that into a system of learning, well, people are always going to be denied that truth by deceit and lies. When you look at the type of psychological warfare, spiritual warfare that Aboriginal people are caught in, it's not just in the sense of military when they talk about weapons of mass destruction, but you're right, it's in terms of the media and the industry of media as a warfare against our people, and so is religion, I believe, in the Western sense. They're, they're all weapons of mass destruction against our, our people. We need to keep radical voices on air 
subscribe now. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377. You're listening to Yarra Boss We Use Group Radio on Community Radio 3CR. And if you're wondering why there was a little bit of a delay there, uh, we're just trying to get a live call. Uh, logging has commenced this morning on the Urunda Plateau, and we're trying to get a live call to that. Until we do, I'm going to go with the scheduled uh, interview I've got with Tom Flood. Hello there. I'm uh, Tom Flood from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And Tom, I first came across your uh, your work online. It was a little short you put together called Optimism. Uh, and I'll, yeah, I can play a little bit of audio just after this so people get a feel for it. But a lot of your stuff's visual and a lot of your work is around the paradigms and the absolute insanity sometimes about what we accept about car culture and how we use our cities. The most powerful killer on earth. The top predators are the lords of the land. Hunting animals need hunting grounds. And that inevitably brings them in conflict with humanity. Few creatures could escape it. Nothing could threaten it. But that has now changed. If you give the natural world just half a chance, it bounces back in an extraordinary way. That is what gives you optimism. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I came into this space uh, somewhat accidentally, which I think actually probably many people do. I, um, I biked around in, in Toronto for many years just to get to work, to get to bars, to, you know, just to get around town. And then it wasn't really until I took my kids to daycare and school that I really realized, you know, how, how dangerous these shared spaces actually were, especially for kind of more vulnerable road users. So I kind of leaned on creative as an outlet to kind of vent frustrations. And as you said, Chris, just to highlight the absurdity of what was deemed okay in our cities to me immediately, the moment I went on the street with a bike with my child, I thought this is, this is outrageous. And I, I guess I never really realized it before being in a different place in my life, maybe a bit more selfish at that point for some reason, but it, it just was so absurd. So that's kind of where I got involved here. And it kind of snowballed from there because we had a lot of frustrations getting to and from daycare and school. And um, yeah, that's kind of my entry point, but it was, it was really a way to, to highlight, yeah, like I said, the absurdity of it. And it, it's such an obvious problem that has such an obvious solution. And that was what was so frustrating and, and kind of kept inspiring me. Yeah, because it's something uh, also from an Australian perspective is that cars are absolute top of the hierarchy. Can This is what it is. You can't do anything about it. You have to be careful every time you cross a road, you're on a road because cars have absolute predominance. And 
um, actually talking to people who, you know, get around by car and kind of trying to get to them of like, look, I'm not trying to say you're wrong, bad and evil, but the way that these hierarchies have absolutely distorted how we use space in our cities, it's perplexing and we, you know, you'll come up against it. You know, you're taking your kids to daycare. You probably get it from other parents. Do you hear things like, how dare you take your kids on the road or anything like that? Yeah, you you hear that so often. And, you know, I try to not you know, not get too wrapped up in the divisive dialogue that's been created over, you know, the last 50, 60 years, especially mm. hyper accelerating the last 20, 30 by, you know, quote unquote leadership. You know, the conversations can start there with, yeah, with, with friends and colleagues that are, are doing the same thing. There's, there's the, it's funny. There's always that thought of, you know, if it's so dangerous, how come you let your kids ride to school? And, you know, there's a couple of things for me is number one, I'm, I, I bike with them, I, I participate. So I'm there with them. Second, I know them very well. And I know their capabilities. And third, the, the flip side of that is, you know, what kind of, why are we not challenging the system that doesn't that makes this such a dangerous situation? Like, what I what kind of world do we want for our kids? Is it going to be a world where they are not allowed to bike or to walk or to have the independence that kids need and and thrive on, you know, in as a part of their growing up and coming of age. And to me, that's not an option. I want to give that to them as as best as I can. That's a really interesting discussion because of it's just. Oh, look, I'm an, I'm not a parent, but uh, you just see these things where people want to ride to, you know, just simply want to ride to school with their kids or allow their kids to ride to school on a safe route. And all this kind of, for want of a bit of expression, concern trolling gets thrown at them. Yeah. And you kind of have this point where you go, look, isn't there a better way we can do this? Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. You hear that that concern trolling, and it's so misguided and and pointed at the wrong place. It's like a great example is, I'm sure you you've heard this, Chris. If you if you know why is that cyclist riding on that sidewalk? Get off the sidewalk. You know, if if we took that anger and that passion and pointed it at the city that refuses to provide safe routes for that that person on a bike, it would go much further. So, like, let's not attack the symptom. Let's go after the problem. To enable change, we need to show broad community support. Show your support for walking and cycling in the city of Yarra by appearing as a champion on the Streets Alive website, representing your local street, neighbourhood or school. It's fast, free and simple. Learn more at streets-alive-yarra.org. A 3CR supporter. Just because it kind of dovetails into an online discussion I was having this week, and I've had a tendency to stay out of these for a few years because it's like, yeah, it turns into a mess. But is this thing of like you're in the wrong, somehow you're also the almighty bicycle lobby, somehow you are elitist, somehow you are also very rich, <laughs> also we don't like you and get off the roads. And it's this thing where like the parameters of the argument get changed to suit. I've just had a really informative couple of discussions in the last few days of this is very interesting of we don't like to challenge or kind of think about, hey, how could my local suburb or street be a bit better? No, you must contend with, this is why I've contacted you, because you're doing the most magnificent cut-through messages. Yeah, this is off your Twitter account. 
But it's just been it's been a breath of fresh air reading the, the things that you do or, you know, the things that you've been doing. Thanks so much for saying that, Chris. Um, mm. To me, kind of getting back to what you were just saying is it's unbelievable the way this narrative has been shaped, you know, after the last over the last few decades, because, you know, a telltale example and sign of that is I, I know you know this very well, but just as soon as I you know, mention or slightly advocate for maybe, you know, what'd be great if we could have kids bike to school. There's a group that will immediately put me into a bucket of I'm anti-car, which is just outrageous. And and the jump that um, the connection that that's made is such a, it's really a damning indictment on the culture that we've created. Wanting some, a safe passage for someone on a bicycle is immediately, you know, correlated to to being anti-car. And it's just, it speaks volumes of what, how toxic our culture has become um, and how divisive and, you know, polarizing it, it, it's become and been created over the last number of years. And there's this thing of, okay, you and I are in this space, but we have to contend with continual bombardment from people who know nothing about, you know, and I'm not, it's just an observation who probably know nothing about riding to work or riding for transport, but somehow they are the experts and those of us who kind of want to choose a different way are somehow bringing possible injury and death upon us by wanting to ride to school, wanting to ride to work, wanting to do this for your errands. And it's some very interesting uh, psychological things that have gone on here. And I think a lot of it has come out of how we're conditioned by media, advertising. Being an old person, I was thinking of Dead Kennedy's album, album title from 1984, Give Me Convenience or Give Me Death. Oh. Thank you for that reference. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's like I want to do whatever I want or no. I was just thinking how when we talk about the media influence, you know, and the, you know, backed by marketing dollars of auto manufacturers, there's this point where, you know, generally we accept that kids ride bikes and that's, you know, really great. And it's part of our coming of age tale in our Western culture. But there's a moment where, you know, the child turns 16 and they better get their license like a good grown up and a good, you know, hardworking American or Canadian or Australian. And if they don't and they continue to ride a bicycle for whatever reason, you know, they're they're lumped into, you know, one of a handful of ridiculous stereotypes, crazy elite road warrior or your uh, like you said earlier, an elitist, some sort of urban hipster. You're, you're just you're not just a person. You, you're automatically a stereotype. And it's like this reverse butterfly that happens when you, if you choose the alternative transportation over the car. And it's just, it's, it's ludicrous, but it's been fueled by our culture and our, and our media and the manufacturer, uh, auto manufacturers marketing budgets for, you know, the last bunch of decades. Uh, an update you did on Twitter with a picture, is it, is it of your sons or a couple of kids, local kids? Uh, some of your photos, but it's got the title, they're too, young, they're too young to ride, is the quotation. And the answer to that is wrong. They're ready to ride. It's our cities that aren't ready. Yeah, that that's exactly it, Chris. And that's speaking to what you were saying earlier about some of that concern trolling, because mm. you hear that all the, like, just like we spoke about, you hear that all the time. Get your kids off the road. They shouldn't be there. Well, no, they should be there. <laughs> we just haven't done the good job of allowing them and inviting them to be there. Yeah, and there's another update I think I saw. I don't know if it was you or you retweeted it. You've seen as a failed parent or a failed adult if you don't transport your children or whatever, you, your lifestyle by car. And it was just like a damning indictment upon how we perceive success. Hmm. I think it's pretty similar in Canada or Australia. We had this rise in aspirational thinking and 
yeah, all the accoutrements that go with a modern lifestyle. And it's really, we've really been bombarded, I'd say, in the last 20 years. And there's reasons for that, which I could have another massive show on, but I won't. I'll leave that for someone, someone else on 3CR. We've become extraordinarily detached of how we can yeah. use our spaces for the better. You know, like I'd like to walk down my street and like it's a one-way street and occasionally – actually a little bit too regularly, I get people coming down here at 60, 70 K per hour in a little one-way street because it's a cutthroat. Why the hell does anyone think they can do that when there's usually there's a crochet on the corner and there's people noodling all over the place? What is that? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's unbelievable. And it's sadly completely believable because we have prioritized the automobile for so long. So, you know, it's been, we've catered to the driver and every one of their needs for, for, for decades now. So any sort of, any sort of, you know, I don't want to use the term obstacle, but any, any sort of moment where the brake pedal needs to be used is seen as a, an infringement on their right to free flowing, you know, vehicular movement. And it's just, it, it adds again, more fuel to the rage on the road. And it, it just, it creates such a violent space. The fact that we cater to this one movement over all else, mm-hmm. over all other forms of transport but all other you know points of our life and our existence like you said on your street like you know for me chris i reference kids because that's my experience right now but of course i it's everybody benefits from these these shared spaces that would be you know if they work for the the eight-year-old they work for the 80-year-old as we as we all know but it's we've just we've created these violent spaces and we've created spaces for everyone inside the car and, you know, everyone that's outside of the car can just so sorry about that. If you have any sort of opposition to that, you're, you know, you're coined a radical or, or an anti-car or, you know, just again, pick, pick a handful of stereotypes to use there. I'm Tash Sultana and you are listening to 3CR. Please subscribe. Do yourselves a massive favour. Thank you very much. Fantastic image you put up of like one of the most uh, was a, a GMC pickup, what we call a Ute, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's got all the things that that vehicle has to keep it keep itself safe for you know because you know cars don't really have drivers because cars hit people but drivers are not in control if you're into the whole way passive way of that reported but moderate overlapped front crash test side crash test small overlap on front crash test overhead bags roof test front impact bags anti-lock brakes all these things and you've got a couple of little kids riding on the you know on the uh, camber or on the side and all they've got is paint but apparently it's their fault though it's all their fault so again you know uh, a lot of really fascinating stuff to unpack but where do we move forward and make things better for our shared spaces? Or, you know, maybe maybe if things are so dangerous and people can't control these massive vehicles, because we're getting the same thing here as you have, of utility vehicles with these incredible blind spots. The, the front right. and the rear grills are so high now. I had a thing about A-pillars for years of what, blinding people's, you know, being a blind spot. Now, you look right. at some of these things, like they're way above. You're getting into four foot high of the front. and yeah. That's insane, the design on some of these new vehicles. 
It's it's crazy. I, it's just completely. Well, the, again, the problem is the the lack of regulation or or involvement or or thought or consideration. It's it's the combination of all of these things. You know, lack of regulation, lack of thoughtfulness um, from our autos on the auto side, and the marketing culture that just drives the 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 interest in and and buying these these larger vehicles. I know Angie Schmidt wrote a great piece on on this on petro masculinity, and it's pretty amazing. I think it's on Medium or probably many other places, and it's worth worth reading. It really dives into you know a lot of what what this culture is about now. But it's shocking, and it's it's completely ridiculous. And that little that that image was just a i thought a good way to highlight kind of the and that and it's funny now uh chris that 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 truck seems so small oh yeah <laughs> it's not even a large truck that's I know, position uh, there but i just see stuff i'm going the sight line on that it's up to my shoulder because i'm a small person and i'm like wow right it's yeah you know, you're just looking at from you know um occupational health and safety thing and i'm like this is wild Absolutely wild because you go back 20, 25 years ago and we were aghast here about um, bull bars, which, okay, in some parts outside outside the city, you may need. But the idea of someone having that on the front of their vehicle as some type of either prestige or projection of something is you're getting into some pretty murky territory. And I think that's kind of has morphed somewhere else with the how um, utility vehicles at the moment are being designed. Yeah, these are these are high high sales volume vehicles now, which is they're not just for the worker. And as as the other side likes to say, you know, how am I gonna or you know how am I gonna move a, a fridge? Well, okay, you're gonna move a fridge, you know, once every what fifteen years? Yeah, that's <laughs> you know it. I mean, it's it's just crazy. But you hear all the same tropes and the same rhetoric over and over and over. But it's the constant marketing of these larger vehicles for everyday use. You know, if you do a school run or a school pickup, you, d- you just see SUV after SUV and truck after truck. And it's, it's, it's just ridiculous. And it's, it's stealing a lot from, from our, from the lives that we could have. And it's, I mean, part of this is, is trying to position and, and, and highlight what's been stolen from this auto centric society we're living in. And, and if we can do that in, in kind of, sometimes gut punching ways and sometimes, you know, you know, reaching across the aisle and commonality type ways that then great, but there's, it's a, it's a large uphill battle, but there's hope. Yeah. So <laughs> I hope, believe. the next part of the conversation, hope, how do we do this? Because you know, yeah, on the show, I, I get lots of people on who are advocates or doing things in the, in the space of trying to make better uh, initiatives or funding for active transport or they're doing rides yours is more of a bit more of a social engineering sort of i never had a, a grand plan or idea of, of of any of this it was just all like i said earlier accidental uh being involved and i i will constantly tip my hat to the people that are doing really hard on the ground you know effort and 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 doing the daily community reach out being involved with councils every day, day in and day out in those local advocacy organizations and people like yourself, Chris, that do this and take this very seriously. <clears throat> Not that I don't, but um, it's just, I, I, I sincerely applaud the efforts because it's so hard and it's it's been very frustrating. I mean, I dipped in and out of uh, being very involved and engaged with our council to just being completely you know, done. I'm just, I'm burnt out. Like it's not going anywhere. So when I see our local organizations continually, continually staying on, that gives me hope. And people mm. like yourself, Chris, who do these 
and, and have these shows and keep the conversation going is very inspiring to me. And that's where I truly see hope. And again, this grassroots swell, that's where the change is coming from. Because you can, you can feel, I, I don't know, I feel, I, I feel hopeful from all the, the powerful voices and, and, and really smart, hardworking people that are out there fighting this good fight, which is, there's not, it's not an option. We have to. G'day. My name is Margie Thorpe. You are listening to 3CR Community Radio, 8.55 on your dial. There's another one of your images. It's like two green tiles. It's the best way to kind of visually describe it on radio. Things kids have sacrificed for drivers. Playing on their street, safe school streets, walking to school, biking to school, walking to the park, random play, crossing the street, playing at night, independence. And the next tile is things drivers have sacrificed for kids blank you know i i thought about that i thought about that one day as i looked out i was just looking at my kids out front sitting on the sidewalk you know after just and i again i don't want to pigeonhole trucks here but truck after truck that were just flying over these speed bumps that are in front of our house and i just looked at them sitting on the curb like they just wanted to you know it's you get emotional about it because it's 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 insane sorry that's the wrong word it's so ludicrous what we have accepted as okay on our streets it is it, it is shocking and and just seeing them sitting there not being able to have a quality street life and they represent everybody and yeah. and, and and to me that just the little bell went off like i i'm a driver so again i have to put kid gloves on when I speak to other drivers because, hey, I'm a driver too. I've given up nothing, you know, in my daily life to, you know, whereas anytime we as people outside the vehicle want safer spaces, it's a battle. It's, you know, have you talked to everybody in the community? Have you talked to every retail outlet about this bike lane? Have you talked to this guy, this person, this, you know, it's unbelievable the hurdles and the obstacles we have to go through to get something like a stop sign or a protected bike lane. It's 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 outrageous. That little piece was just inspired by just seeing two kids sitting on the side of the road, kind of just with their hands in the air. Anyone wants to get in, in touch with me, I've got a website up. Uh, it's called Creative by... Rovelo, and that's R-O-V-E-L-O dot com, or on Twitter, I think it's Tom Flood one, the number. But again, I think the real the real change making is is been happening at least for us over here locally in our local advocacy groups who stay on our councils um, I- incredibly well, and it's it's been inspiring to me. Well, we're up against some pretty sophisticated marketing and phenomenal deep pockets or I should say accounts, you know, about creative stuff. It's like, yeah, you fight whatever you, whatever you got. And humour is a fantastic cut through. Yeah, that's that's for sure. And so it's it's funny you mentioned that, Chris. It's, it's mm-hmm. true. You know, we don't have the budgets or the reach necessarily of, you know, auto manufacturers. But but at its core, you know, we can tell stories that still resonate and impact, you know, and that I truly believe in that. And that's kind of if I have nothing else to say, that's what I would say. Our stories matter and and they can impact people and and, um, and resonate. And thank you to Tom Flood for uh, making time for that interview. This week's Yarra Bicycle User Group Radio Program should be podcast soon on 3cr.org.au forward slash podcasts or 
go to yarrabug.org forward slash radio if you want to find additional details of what we discussed today. These podcasts are produced at Melbourne's activist radio station 3CR. Presenters are all volunteers and 3CR's existence depends upon the financial support of our listeners. Go to 3cr.org.au, click on the support tab and select either donate, subscribe, shop or fundraisers. Your subscription or donation keeps 3CR on air. CR would like to thank our Yarrabug program sponsor, Vacro's Second Chance Cycles, for their financial support. Second Chance Cycles is a fantastic community workshop that recycles bikes, trains people in bike mechanics and sells bikes to the local community. If you have a healthcare card, they'll give you a bike free of charge. To find out more, search for Vacro online or drop into the underground car park, Harmsworth Street, Collingwood, any Thursday or Friday. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.